0: I've probably gotten you into worse trouble than this, though, right? That's true. <laughs> okay. Well, welcome to HR Conversations. I'm Eric Tarigian. And you're going to notice right off the bat that a couple of our other uh, participants are not here today. But we have with us a special guest, Val Blanchett. So Val and I have known each other now for 20 plus years. And we were just had a little conversation on it as we were leading into this. We met each other when we think it was around 2000. When I was at the Buffalo Stamping Plant for Ford and Val was running the Ford Production System um, Integration Office, I guess, for lack of better terms. Mm -hmm. But What we wanted to do with today's podcast is I'm going to let Val introduce herself. Then we're going to have a little talk about interviewing. How do you find a next opportunity? What does it look like? And really just a glimpse from the other side of the table into the HR suite. So Val, welcome.
1: Great. Well, thank you, Eric. It's a pleasure to join you here today and uh, and to talk about this subject. So, um, so yeah, it was probably uh, 2000 when you and I uh, worked at Ford, and that was a wonderful experience and uh, lots of things to get into there in the manufacturing world. Um, so, I... Uh, after I left Ford, I joined Cargill and had spent about 10 years there, um, so learned uh, a whole other industry within the, the food businesses, and then joined uh, the Andersons for the last uh, four and a half years or so, and I just recently left there, so I'm um, now just in the job market for um, what's the next right role for me, and so just getting started on that, but happy to have this conversation just to talk about the experiences that, that I've had, and I'm sure similar to you and to many others listening around how you look for a job and what are some of the things that you experience?
0: Well, it's amazing. And, and I think it's hard for people to believe the length of careers that we've had. And, you know, I know people are always shocked when I tell them, you know, I started my career at Ford in 1989. And then I know you've been 30 plus years in the workplace. And, you know, right. we went into the workforce under different rules. And I can remember when I found my job, I literally clipped the job out of the Detroit News the one ad taped it onto a three by five card, typed up a cover letter on bond paper, put it in an envelope, and mailed it into the employment office. And you know, how is that for a reset, right? Right, right. Or you actually like physically went in and filled out an
1: application with on a piece of paper, <laughs> right, and sent it in. Those aren't even accepted anymore, right? Everything is just online. And, and that's the only way that you're really getting an application uh, in.
0: And I want to get to that subject, too. As we get into the conversation, I want to get to that because ATSs, I have a big, big beef against ATSs. But, Bill, I know you said you're looking now, so you're on the other side of the table and you're just considering what's next. What kind of things are you seeing out there in the job search of 2020?
1: You know, Eric, it's been really a pleasant surprise that the job market um, for HR professionals is actually quite active. And so as I've started to look around and, and tag um, an alert to various markets, I'm seeing actually quite a few HR jobs at all different levels, um, which is really great to see because I think industries are being impacted um, very differently with COVID. And so it's been great to, to see those jobs come open and I've applied to several and um, I've also had the opportunity over many years to work with various recruiters, and so that's another avenue I've pursued as well. And so, working with the recruiters, um, you know, I've known them for years. I've got relationships established, and so that works pretty well. And you get to understand the role, and things move along and progress as you would expect. I haven't been able to get as much traction um, just going to uh, post to to apply for something that's either on LinkedIn or on Indeed, for example. Um, and I think that the, the, the funnel of how many resumes they must get and applicants for those jobs makes it difficult to hear back from those companies. And so I find that to be either not happening or, or happening very slowly.
0: Yeah, I always um, coach people nowadays that your next job is not gonna come from LinkedIn or Indeed. It might come from LinkedIn, but when you go and click on that LinkedIn Easy Apply, you might as well just click on send my resume to the, gar- to the recycle bin because I think that there's just so many people. It's just too hard, and it's just not practical to expect people to sort through that much. But where I do think your next job could come from, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this, is can you, in 2020, post-COVID, are people having success networking their next role?
1: Networking is absolutely uh, a key way um, because you have to you have to put the work in right so whether it 's through you know uh, looking at what 's available on linkedin that 's just the start of the process i think, and then the work comes with not just the application but how did you match up essentially to the job spec and what are you doing to write a cover letter or to send other examples of your work or materials along that where you're allowed to, to post those things or to make sure that you're getting visibility with the recruiters? Because the ATSs and the AI that's a part of the recruiting process is running off algorithms that are sorting through and looking at keywords and your chances of getting through that um, aren't the same if you don't do the other work that go that has to go along with it.
0: Okay, so, Val, you see a job, and it's CHRO, and you look at the company. What's your first step? What's the first thing you're going to do before you apply? Well,
1: before you apply, you want to learn as much as you can about the company, right? What's the, uh, what's the business there? Um, you know, what industry are they in? Are you familiar with that industry? Who do you, who do you know in your own network who may be working there or, or has worked there? So I think you need to be able to learn about the company, understand its culture and their goals and their mission. So I do research then to find out as much as I can about the company.
0: Yeah, And I think about maybe seven, eight years ago now, when you were at Cargill, I was looking at a job in Denver and you knew some of the people that worked there. And I think you made some introductions for me. And I think that's perfectly acceptable. And my theory is that people are afraid to do that. They're afraid to ask people they know to make an introduction for them. How did you react? So, so let's, you'll go back to when I asked you to make the introduction. How do you feel about that?
1: You know, I, I was pleased to do that, happy to do that, in fact. And, um, you know, the person I contacted was someone I knew really well, who i had worked with, um, actually, for several years. And so, you know, that personal connection of, of knowing, knowing this HR leader and knowing you and having worked with you, um, it felt great to be able to do that. And, you know, that's been wonderful in my experience in these last several weeks of being able to, to talk with someone like yourself and saying, hey, Eric, I'm looking and, and have you connect me with three, four, five people. Um, you know, in a very short period of time. And just op- opening that door for someone, I think really helps people to, to make a better connection or a quicker connection much easier.
0: Yeah, I know a lot of our common friends are in this industry right now where they're connected to CEOs and it's okay to ask them for help or just tell them this is what's going on in my life and this is what I'm considering and what do you think? And mm-hmm. that's what I coach people do, but people always seem to be reluctant. I think people are going to tune in to hear some of our horror stories. Do you have any good horror job search horror stories that you want to share?
1: Well, let me think about that for a second. Um, You know, this is, I, like I said, this is really, really uh, new to me. So, um, you know, the, I guess the one thing so far I can take away is that, um, you know, it is, it is hard work and, you know, you can either be um, proactive or reactive and, be on a good path and think everything is working right and believe or, you know, be told that an offer is forthcoming. And, you know, it's just a matter of, of getting uh, a written offer out to you. And then over the course of time, um, things change and things can pivot. And so, you know, unless you actually, you know, finally get to that final offer stage, you can't really, you can't really count on anything. I mean, that's the one uh, recent story that I could share yeah I think I lost you
0: there okay I think
1: I lost you for a minute sorry about
0: that That's okay. We'll see if we can edit that out. If not, we'll just leave it in as a things happen in life moment. (laughs) Okay. But I was up for an internal job with Pepsi and we went through the whole process and met with the, the, uh, division president. I'd be supporting. He liked me. I liked him fit with the team. I actually went as far as to go to a new leader assimilation session with the new team and everything strolled along We got to the point that they brought someone out to look at our house to do the reload. We had a realtor at our house. And after all of that, they still said, well, I'm sorry, we just can't make it happen right now. So you just never know. And things change. I think you said it very well. Things change. Budgets change. Plans change. But I think a lot of people get stuck in that boat and they don't realize. They think it's them.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And And, it's, and it's not them. I mean, you can only control what you can control. And, you know, when you've interviewed and you put your, your best foot forward and, you know, you're applying for jobs that, you know, you're qualified to do, um, you know, getting some feedback, um, if you're not the successful candidate is, is always great. I mean, that feedback I think is a blessing. Um, but you have to. It's hard to get it though. And
0: it's hard for companies to give it right. Because people feel like they're exposed when they do it. They do. It's going to be, it's tricky to get it and it's, and you should ask. It's your right. It's your right to ask for it. And I would ask, you may not get it. I think it's also your right to ask. And I do this all the time and all of my recruiter friends who are listening to this will probably cringe. But back in the days when I was working with them, if they would call me up and they have an opportunity, I'd go through the whole thing. And I would always ask a test close at the end and just say, what do you think of my candidacy? Where would you put me on a slate? Like, I know you don't have the full slate yet, but where would you put me right now knowing what you know? And a good, I think a really good recruiter would be very honest with you and say, I think that you're you know, one of five or you might be the top one so far, or you know what, based on some other people I've seen, you're going to have a hard time competing. And at least just give the candidate a sense of realism of what's happening with the role.
1: Yeah, it would really be nice if, if um, you know, companies could get that sort of information um, to candidates because you know, the candidate experience, uh, respective to the company's reputation and the culture at that organization, I think is really important, right? Because you want the candidate experience to be as good as the employee experience is going to be. And as human beings, of course, we all want closure on things. And so when you apply for a job, you want to at least, and again, knowing you're qualified for it, you want to at least get some sort of, okay, what's the outcome? You know, if I got the job, that's great. Let's talk about how that process moves forward. But if I didn't get it, what feedback is there around yes. that? And how do I get some closure so I can move on to the next thing? Because I don't think that's too much
0: to ask. Not getting the job, that's fine, too. Right. Uh, Tracy Faber, when I worked for her at Pepsi, she used to say we have another word for candidates and it's called customer. That's right, yeah. So what will you do different yeah. now, Val, as a hiring manager after going through this process? As the hiring
1: manager, I would, um, to the extent possible, at least be able to get some sort of response um, to the candidates, the ones that, that you've interviewed, uh, just around, you know, what was the the key feedback from the interview and relative to the job that they've applied to what can they what tidbits of information. Can you provide to that candidate to help them improve
0: Awesome. Yeah. Okay, so now I gotta ask. Yep. What's the easiest interview you've ever had Wow
1: I don't know if I have it. They're all hard.
0: <laughs> I know you right? expect me to go the opposite direction, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. I don't, what what I didn't Val didn't I tell it. everybody is, Val and I used to be partners on the golf league <laughs> at Ford, the Ford Employee Relations <laughs> Golf League. And she would always tell me, Val, Val is an exceptional golfer. I, on the other hand, oh. am not. And she would always tell me, here's where you want to go. And I would look at it and I would go in and I would make my swing and she'd say, that's not what I told you. And I said, well, that's what I told the ball. <laughs>
1: Of course, yes, got lost in the translation there. <laughs> yeah, those were, uh, those were some good days. So So Eric, in, in terms of um, you, you said ATS and you wanted to start talking about the ATS system, what do you think yes. are some, some change, what are some changes that companies can think about with ATS? Because I mean now, now so more than ever, right? We're more and more of a virtual and remote world.
0: Exactly. And I think now is when we have to even more so put the human eyes on things. And I go back to something that I used to, to, I can remember back you know, in the late 90s when we implemented timekeeping systems at Ford. And the big concern was by the unions, by the UAW, and there was actually a valid concern is you guys are going to stop supervising and you're going to start relying on time swipes to discipline people. And they were right, because most likely we would have. So there was a lot of language put into contracts to say you can't use time swipes to discipline employees. Well, why was that there? That was there for one reason. People will get lazy and they'll let technology do parts of their job that they shouldn't. You know, if you're a supervisor and you have an issue with someone coming into work, supervise them and go and view them and put your hands on the work. Now, you can use the swipe data to supplement that and to augment that, but you shouldn't use it as your only source. I view the ATS systems as the same way. I think someone should be looking at resumes, looking at connections. When I interviewed for, I had three openings on my team, maybe four or five weeks ago, literally lost two managers and a payroll person all within a week of each other. I put a posting on LinkedIn asking for help. I had 4,000 views of it, got four or five really good, strong referrals. The top three referrals, talked to them, hired them. They were all on roll. One of them was on roll before the person who turned in their notice even left. Like, to me, that's the power of the system. That's outstanding. You go to your network, you, you engaged. All I did was I engaged my network and I put human eyes on it. They fed me back things, then I fed that into our computerized systems. I think we're doing it backwards. I think we're trying to let the ATS system filter out the human touch. But what do you think?
1: I absolutely agree. I think um, you know AI and word recognition, um, those filters are, have become primary because of the volume that's there. But if you, if you get yourself looking and using your, your network to a greater degree, And understanding how you can connect, you as a candidate too, can connect in to that employer, that helps, right? Because otherwise, you'd never get that result you just described.
0: Yeah, and I think people people are afraid of it, and they tend to, quote unquote, hide behind it. And I think that people are concerned about being sued, and they're concerned about all of these metrics we have to track for hiring, and they're afraid to open it up and just be the way it always used to be. You, know, How did you used to hire people? Well, you would go ask your friends, do you know anybody? Mm-hmm. The, I got my job at Ford because I was a computer programmer. I did computer work for the National Maritime Union. The president of the National Maritime Union was friends with the president of local 6,000 for the uh, UAW. Ford needed a data guy. They handed my resume over and the next thing you know, I'm working at Ford. Right. I mean yeah. that's the way things used to happen, but I still think it's happening today.
1: I think it's happening, and some companies have really fantastic referral programs, um, you know, and that helps too. And I think companies should reward employees for bringing in referrals. That's a win-win, right? But I don't know that yeah. a lot of a lot of folks are using it.
0: So internships, love them or hate them.
1: Love internships, um, but the key to having a good internship is: do I have a role? For that person at the end of the internship so that's what makes it work
0: you know i love it and i don't know if you read my newsletter this week but you know i think most a lot of our viewers do but internships it's an extended interview it sure is You you go work for them for go work for someone for six months and you know what and as the hiring manager you're using your interns wrong if you have them stapling and copying
1: Right, they have to have meaningful work and you have to be able to evaluate their skill sets. Um, And give them the work. Oh, no, go ahead. Give them the real work that they're going to be doing if you're going to be hiring them, right? That's really what you want
0: them to do. That you can't get to. Yeah. So worst question or most uh, illegal question you've ever been asked. Usually we have James Reed here one of our employment law gurus so he would have loved this one. but what's the worst question you've ever been asked as a candidate?
1: Wow, you know I can't think of any that would I would put in the illegal um, category. I'm trying to think I should I should have prepped better on different questions. I, I can't think of one that would be um, a, a worse scenario. I'm sure you have one though, right Eric uh, you're frozen up
0: again no I honestly the worst issues so what advice fail let's leave it let's uh, let's close out with this what advice would You Are you there? To the-
1: okay. Sorry, it was uh, frozen, frozen up there.
0: Did you hear the question or not?
1: No, I didn't hear the question.
0: Are you there? Okay, Well, what's your advice as a head of HR to them?
1: So advice for people looking. Um, uh, yeah. First one is, yeah, be tenacious. Uh, be tenacious. Put the work in, and really, before you get started, know what it is you want. What kind of what kind of job is really going to make you happy and fit with what you want to do and where you want to take your career? So spend some time being a bit introspective first. If you've done assessments or things like that over the years, you know MBTI, Hogan, Predictive Index, anything like that, um, go back and look at your material and say, hey. What's a really good fit for me? What, are, what drives me? What motivates me? What are my tendencies that I have? And how do I make sure I get my job prospects aligned with who I am and what I really want to do? And then do the follow-up pieces. Put your own elements of personalization in and follow up with the additional um, letters of, of reference or additional cover letters and materials that will help you to stand out in that candidate pool.
0: That, that would awesome. be my advice here. That is awesome, Val. Thank you very much. It's yeah. good to reconnect with you. I'm you happy as well. To, happy to chat again, and you brought back a lot of really good memories, and Nicole and I were just talking uh, just before this podcast, and she said to say hello, and we'll Please tell us again real soon. Sounds but good. We, wanna, should,
1: we should tee it up again sometime.
0: Yeah, my son has my putter, so that'll tell you how much I'm <laughs> doing with golf lately, but all right, well thank you everybody for yep. watching this episode of HR Conversations. I just want to remind you, watch this spot. We have a webinar coming. It's going to be a big deal. I can't announce all the details yet. The flyer's coming. Calum's got it. We're putting it together. We've got some really big things we're going to talk about. We're going to give you the easy steps that you should take. We're going to drill down deep into all of this. As always, if you need anything on benefits, we have our Benefits Wizard. Reach out to Danielle. If you need unemployment law issue, talk to James. If you need anything around HRIS, payroll, or if you want to get a really good joke in, talk to Calum. We're here to help you. You can reach me, Eric Tarigian. Subscribe to my newsletter, www.tarigian.com forward slash free newsletter. With that, this has been HR Conversation. All right. Thank you. Thank you for...
1: Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it.